time that you need. You can drop in the offering plate as it goes by. If you're done by then, you don't need to put anything else in the offering plate. Uh, it is uh, just for our regular attenders. So you are a guest this morning. Don't put anything else in there. Um, but if you wouldn't mind filling it out, it would be helpful for us to keep in touch with you, let you know all that God's doing here at Christ Bible Church. And there's a lot that's going on. Also, if you're here for the very first time, I've met a couple people and I've already given them a book. This book is our gift to you, Seeing and Savoring Jesus Christ. Uh, this is our gift to you for being here for the very first time, and this is really everything that we're all about. We want to see Jesus in the Scriptures. We want to savor His goodness, His glory. We want to love Him more because of our time together in the Scriptures. So that's our, our prayer for every single person that comes in these doors is that they would know Jesus, they would love Jesus, they would treasure Him and value Him more than anything in this world. And so to that end, we want to give this to every first-time visitor that comes. So if you didn't get a copy, it's on the back. If somebody invited you, they'll give you a copy or... Um, if you can see somebody who is new, you can grab a book and give them a copy of that. We have a lot of things that are going on even just today. Um, today, I have, since it's Christmas, in the spirit of Christmas, I have a gift for every single child or anybody who's a child at heart and would enjoy, uh, because they are easily distracted during the message, would enjoy something that would enable them to have fun. So, Paul, this one's for you. Um, <laughs> but if you are... A little child, of which I see several. Come on up here. I have Christmas presents. I come bearing gifts like the three wise men. <laughs> gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Come on up. Come on up, buddy. Come on up. Come on up. So, what do you say, bud? Thank you. Good job, Tyler. Here, here you want a pink one? You want a pink one? Here. You want, oh, you want a green one? Here. Here you go, guys. Okay, here you go. You want a pink one? Pink one, yeah? You want a pink one? There you go. Anybody else? Yeah, Ricky. Good job, Ricky. Paul? There you go, there you go. Yeah, you're going to open it back there. Okay, we got it. All right. There you go, for Claire, yes. Here you go. We need one more person. Oh, here, Abby. Abby, one more. We have one left. Jeff, Merry Christmas. One left, one left, one left. Well, we've got one more. Uh, parents, if you would go ahead and help your kids open that um, so that we can do all of that shrink wrap stuff now. Get it all open. And we wanted to make sure that you had those so that, because the kids are staying in the service, and I know we're going to be singing a lot. I think that they won't be uh, too... Uh, antsy during the service, but if they are, we wanted to make sure that we got them a gift that they can play with, they can doodle on. I think the one that I used to have is called a magna doodle, so you can doodle on that, you can erase it. Uh, kids, if you want to draw things that we're singing about, um, you can draw things about the Christmas story, maybe a star, maybe Jesus being born in Bethlehem. And then, uh, parents, if your kids absolutely uh, need to just get wiggles out, feel free to just go outside. Or we set up some tables in the back where they can just sit down and draw in the back if they would like to. So we wanted to make sure that the kids can stay in, they can sing. There's going to be a lot of singing today. And uh, we want to make sure that they had a Merry Christmas present uh, from our church to your sweet little children. So uh, a couple other announcements. We have no small groups this week, obviously, because it is Christmas. Uh, we will be picking those back up at the end of January or the beginning of February. And as we talked about 
Last uh, Sunday, we're going to be going through the book of James together, uh, doing a very in-depth study of that book with that same ESV uh, study journal that we had, where you got text on one side, you can write down a bunch of journal on the other side. So we'll have that uh, come the end of January and early February for you, which is going to be a great time to just be able to enjoy um, diving into the Word, diving in at a slower pace than we did with the Gospel of Mark. Uh, which will be a really fun time together. So um, another thing that I wanted to make you aware of, and we're going to be talking more about this next Sunday during our Sunday school, but um, these are Bible plans and also questions. As we come to the new year, we have one more Sunday in this year, and then it'll be the new year. But next Sunday, we're going to be talking about uh, kind of New Year's resolutions and just planning ahead for this next year. And um, we have uh, on the back table, we have questions to kind of diagnose how did this last year go for you. And I would encourage you to take these questions. Some of them are very personal for you. Some of them you can talk with, uh, with your family about. So take uh, uh, one of these papers, take one of these sheets on the back table, and take it to your um, family Christmas gathering. Hang out with your family. Uh, maybe ask them some of these questions. And then there's some questions about um, Bible reading, and we got some Bible reading plans in the back. We have Bible reading plans. We have a whole host of Bible reading plans on our website and we are going to be talking about reading through the Bible uh, this next uh, Sunday and why 2019 should be, must be for believers, um, the, the best year of diving into the scriptures that you've ever had. So we'll talk about that next Sunday. So this is on the back table. You can pick one of these up. Also, immediately following our service today, we have the privilege and pleasure of baptizing one of our own family members, our own church family members, and our dear brother James. Where did he go? There he is. Our dear brother James. James, the Lord has given us a very warm day for December, and I think <laughs> that is a blessing because it's going to dip into the 50s here soon, and that would have been, been rough. But um, praise the Lord, we've got the Witheros. They gave us their little blow-up jacuzzi. So is it warm in there? Oh, perfect. So I will baptize myself too. In this water, we can hang out as long as you want, James. Maybe some chips and salsa, we'll just hang out. Um, but a, a huge blessing um, for our church. We have baptized uh, several people in their kind of middle age uh, season of life. We've baptized a couple on the younger side. We've baptized uh, one on the older side. But um, James is uh, officially our youngest person that we baptize at our church. And that's a huge blessing because um, we, obviously we know the Turner family. And we know that the Turner family would not um, uh, agree with James' profession of faith in Jesus Christ flippantly. Right? This isn't like, oh, he's cute. And so, no, this is, he has made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, and it's backed up by fruit. Um, so, th- therefore, we get the privilege of seeing him make that profession before us as a congregation and be welcomed into our congregation as a brother in Christ. So, it's a very uh, sober thing that we get to do right after church. So the other huge blessing, praise the Lord, is that we do not have to tear anything down today. Um, We are on break at school here, so uh, you can leave everything. So what we will do just immediately following the service is we will uh, just grab all of our stuff. We'll head on out down uh, these stairs over on the patio area in the grassy area over on that side. That's where you guys put it, right, Amber and Buddy? Did you put it over there? Okay. Over there, uh, we will be having our baptism. baptism. So, um, so that'll be immediately following the service. Um, this morning, we have uh, just a, a, a great time as a church family planned out for us. We do a lot of singing here at CBC, an average of eight songs a Sunday. Um, and for our Christmas service, 
this Sunday, we wanted to just sing. I was talking with Jonathan Colasso, and, and he was like, so instead of just picking and choosing some songs, you just picked all of them. You just said, let's sing them all. So we're just singing them all. We're singing some that we've never sung in our church before, um, a total of 17 together that we're singing this morning. And we're going to talk about them um, as we go through. So there's going to be a lot of singing and talking and singing and talking um, so that we can sing not only with our hearts and our affections, but also with our, our minds engaged. So we'll be doing that. And we'll be reading a lot from the Word of God as well, reading through the Christmas story. And so uh, to that end, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of Luke. We're going to start in Luke, Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to read a section of Scripture that gets us going with the Christmas account. And then Kelly is going to read, and then Kyle is going to read, and then uh, we are going to sing and take the offering. But for these three um, sections of Scripture, as we read them together, they're going to be up on the screen as well. And as we read them together, let's read them, as Martin Luther used to say, let's read them as if they happened just yesterday. Let's read. We're so familiar. That's one of the reasons why we're going to do what we're going to do today, where we're going to study these songs, because we're so familiar with them. We can sing them in our sleep. But if we become so familiar with this text and so familiar with the story that we tend to lose our wonder, that's, that's not a good thing. So let's read with amazement, fresh wonder, fresh awe, fresh conviction, and fresh worship together. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And let's go ahead and stand together this morning in honor of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and you will bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she was called barren, is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, a slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Luke chapter 1, verse 46, and Kelly will be reading 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bondslave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. 
He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who are humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Now turn to Matthew chapter 1. We'll be reading verses 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away in secret. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who, is con- who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep, and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Father, we thank you for the majesty that's seen in the miraculous nature of Jesus Christ being born as a man, as a baby boy, fully human yet fully God at the exact same God, at the exact same time, truly in every single aspect human and truly in every single aspect God. This is a mystery that we fully can't comprehend. It's a mystery that we stand in in awe of and wonder. So God, I pray that you would take us back tonight with our affections, with our heart, with our mind. Take us back to that day when every single promise that you made about the coming Messiah came true as Jesus was born in a stable in Bethlehem. And the hope of the world lay in a manger. May we worship you today for who you are and for what you've done. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. You may be seated as the men come and take the offering. Tonight I can see a star shine And its slender fills up the sky it's the same that appeared and the wise man revered when hope was born this night. Out upon the snowy field, there's a silent peace to hear. And it echoes the grace of our Savior's embrace because hope was born. When hope was born this night, there are 
so scared, I'll rejoice and declare that hope was born this night. Glory to God. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Let all of the world sing a chorus of joy because hope was born. us as we sing good news of great joy for every single person in this world. Hope has come. Good news of great joy for every woman, every man. And this will be a sign to you, a baby born in Bethlehem. So come and worship. Do not be afraid. of angels glory in the highest and on earth peace of mind those on you this favor rest oh come and worship do not be afraid my soul magnify my soul my soul Oh, come and worship, do not be 
Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. It is so easy when you go to church to drift off in many moments during an hour and a half service. And believe it or not, it's easy for me to have a desire to drift off. So if it's easy for me to have a desire to drift off while I'm singing and I'm preaching, then I know it's a challenge for all of us to remain focused, to remain engaged. You can drift off during the sermon, as the preacher is just dragging on and on and on and on, and all you can think about is lunch, and when will this guy stop talking? You can drift off during the prayer time. We kind of ask you to drift off during the prayer time, because we say, close your eyes, fold your hands, find a comfortable spot, and, and then pray, like stay engaged. That's very hard to do. Maybe you forcibly uh, drift off during the offering. You're like, this is a good time. Offering's coming? Okay. Oh, just pass it by. Maybe uh, you are tempted to drift off during other moments. It's not a good idea to drift off during fellowship time. That would be strange if somebody's going to give you a cup of coffee and then you just fall asleep right there. Not a good idea. But one place that we can all easily drift off together is during the singing. I think it's very easy to drift off during the singing, especially when they are familiar songs, familiar melodies. And really, there's no more familiar songs or melodies than those of Christmas carols that we sing. This morning, what I want us to do, and you can write down this verse if you are a note taker, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15. Paul says, I want to sing not only with my heart, but with my mind. He says this, quote, I will pray with the spirit and pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the mind also. So I want us to sing together songs that are familiar to us, not only just with the heart and our affections, but with our minds engaged. As we talked about a couple weeks ago when we were looking at Psalm 100 together, no empty-headed intellectual or emotionalism. Don't have an empty head of just affections for the Lord and just feelings, but, but no empty-hearted intellectualism. We need both together. Sometimes it's hard to do that when you're singing songs you're familiar with. Or sometimes it's hard to do it when you're singing songs that you don't have any idea what it's saying. So the first song that I want us to just look at briefly is the song, Angels We Have Heard on High. You guys know the refrain, right? What does it say? Gloria in excelsis Deo. Or as my daughter likes to say, Gloria, as my daughter's name is Chelsea, in my Deo, Gloria in Chelsea's Deo. So she says it's her song. It's actually a quotation from Luke chapter 2, verse 14 with the angels are singing the refrain in Luke chapter 2, uh, there is uh, a refrain. If you aren't there, just go ahead and turn there. Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 14. We'll be reading this together 
in just a moment. But they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest. And so we sing Gloria in excelsis Deo. And you might think, hmm, that's just a strange language. So Bible's written in Greek. Maybe it's Greek. It's actually not Greek. It's Latin. And I think you're happy that you're not singing it in Greek because the Greek uh, wording is uh, to, to sing this together. Doxa is glory. N is in. Hupisistoi is uh, in the highest. And theo. So it'd be doxa. In who PC theo. So I think we're happy that we're not singing that. It'd be much stranger to say it that way. Where do we get the refrain from? We got it from uh, the Bible that was written in Latin. So a man by the name of Jerome was commissioned by the church during the late 300s to write the Bible and translate the Bible from Hebrew and Greek into Latin, which was the common language of the people. So they wanted a common language Bible. And so he translated these verses into Latin. And that's where we get uh, Gloria in excelsis Deo. It's the angels proclaiming. And you can kind of see it. Glory, Gloria, glory in excelsis, in the highest, uh, Deo to God. Deo is God. So Gloria in the highest to God and not wanting to sound like uh, Yoda, we just kind of flip it around and we say, glory to God in the highest. What are they saying? What is this exclamation? Well, let's start with glory. Glory in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word kavod, glory, is something that's weighty, something that has a heavy substance. There's weight to it. You can't take it lightly. In the New Testament, we have a word that means brilliant. Uh, it means bright shining. So weighty, very bright, and in the highest is a category of greatness. So we have glory, greatness. In the highest, this is uh, the greatest possible greatness. You could translate glory to God in the highest as the greatest possible greatness being given to God. And what is this greatest greatness, this brightest brightness? It's the fact that a little, a little tiny baby is born in Bethlehem. A tiny little baby is the greatest greatness. Why is he the greatest greatness? Because we have a very great problem. Our great problem is that of sin. Sin separates us from God. Sin demands punishment. And we know that. We intuitively know that. If somebody does something that's wrong, we, we hope the police will uh, correct them in what they're doing. We have sinned against a holy God, and therefore our sin demands a penalty. But God loves us, and he doesn't want us to stay in, under that penalty of being separated from God forever, for all of eternity, under his judgment and wrath in hell. So he conquers our greatest problem with the greatest greatness possible. So when we sing songs together this morning and all throughout the Christmas season, we need to sing not just with our hearts, but with our minds engaged. And as we sing this refrain that we've become so used to singing, Gloria in excelsis Deo, as we sing, hark the herald angels sing, listen to the words that the angel is saying. There's a king that's been born, and this king has come to be our deliverer, not politically, but of sin, of condemnation, of fear of future wrath, and of death. He's our deliverer. And we will join in with the angels as they say, glory to God in the highest. May the greatest possible greatness be given to Jesus because of who he is and because of what he's done. So let's read the story together. I'm going to have Hannah read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. You can go ahead and remain seated. 
And we'll read the story together. We'll inform our minds to inform our affections, and then we will sing the message of the angels and sing not just with our hearts engaged, but also sing with our minds. Census should be taken of the entire world. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. The herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy My God and sinners reconciled Joyful all ye nations rise Join the triumph of the skies With angelic cross proclaim Christ is born
Sometimes we struggle to sing songs and not uh, grow weary in doing so because we're familiar. Maybe we don't know what a lyric means. Maybe it's uh, confusing words, um, such as the case with the song, The First Noel. The First Noel. We've actually never sung this song at our church before, and this is the very first time that we're going to do it together. But Noel, what does Noel mean? If you look it up, it comes from the French uh, language. Uh, the English now obviously claim it as their own, but Noel, uh, if you were to look it up, just like Google it, hey Google, you would find Noel, they would say it's French for Christmas. And it has become that, but it didn't originally mean just Christmas. Sometimes it could be used uh, for a birth or for uh, an advent or for somebody coming into uh, the world. If you dig a little bit deeper, you see that it actually was Uh, a form of exclamation, of saying there's good news, something has happened, and that's why it was attributed to a birth, somebody has been born. But it's a shout of exclamation, it's a joyful celebration. And this is uh, where we get um, the first Noel, the the first time that joyfully we celebrate. And it's very interesting, you can actually see some old hymnals, they don't have it as N-O-E with the little umlaut over it and then an L, it, it, in the original, it's N-O-W-E-L-L. That's what it said, Noel. And it was, there, there's something happening that's awesome, worthy of celebration, worthy of excitement. And then it was kind of taken over, and um, we dropped the W, and so we put two vowels together. And if you know anything about language, they, the umlaut helps split it so that the diphthong is split out so that we have two actual pronunciations, no-L, instead of just nil. Um, it would be a weird way to sing it. The first nil. Um, so we needed the, the two dots. If you ever thought that 
syntax and grammar and language weren't important, try singing it without the umlaut, and it becomes a very interesting thing. But in Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2 gives us one of the accounts that we find in the song, The First Noel. And it's a very interesting song. If you have it, actually, Amber, can you throw it up here on the screen? First Noel, the angels did say to certain poor shepherds, right? That's the first. We've got poor shepherds, and they're keeping watch. And then we sing, Noel, born as the king. Then the second verse, go to the second verse, Amber. They, and if you don't read ahead, who did we just speak of? Shepherds. So we would think it'd be they, the shepherds. But it says they looked up and saw a star. So what is this speaking of? That's the wise men. And so tradition has it that this song was written very, very long ago, and it was actually written without a Bible in front of the person that was writing it so that they could write a song that kind of was a conflation of the two stories into one story, one song. The shepherds heard that a baby had been born, and then we just quickly move on over to the wise men without any sense of, oh, new paragraph, new idea. Let's introduce the wise men. No, just they looked up. Not the shepherds, but the wise men. Matthew chapter 2 gives us that account. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, magi, or wise men from the east, arrived in Jerusalem. And they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They're looking for a king. Where is our king? These men from Persia coming over to Jerusalem. Where is our king? Daniel had prophesied about this king being born about 400 years before they show up. And this is, by the way, after Jesus' birth, right? They don't show up in the stable, in the barn. They show up after. You can see that in verse 11. Drop down to verse 11. After coming to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. So we've got a house, not a stable or a barn or a cave. And they see the child. And Greek is a very specific language. There's a word for an infant. There's a word for a toddler. This is the word for toddler. So this is not an infant child. This is a um, two-year-old child, about. And they fall to the ground and they worship him. They worship him. They give him gold, frankincense, myrrh. They worship him. Verse 16, what is King Herod going to do? When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged. You remember, King Herod said, when you find this king, tell me about him. Tell me where he is so I can go and worship him. Because Herod wanted to do what Herod always did when somebody was competing for the, the crown and the throne. Just kill them, and we'd take care of our problems. So I want to kill this baby. And when he realizes that the Magi don't come back, he becomes very angry. In the middle of verse 16, he sent and he slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under according to the time which had been determined by the Magi. So again, two years and younger. So this is, Jesus is about two years old at that time. So the first Noel, second verse Noel, celebration, an exclamation of something happening, specifically an advent. Advent is the word for coming, that somebody is coming into the world. And the first advent of Jesus, the magi, three wise men show up and offer gifts in humble submission to a king. And that's why the refrain says, born is the king of Israel, because the wise men are going to say, Noel, he's here, he's come. And the shepherds as well are saying, Noel, he's here, he's come. Two scenes to recognize that a king has been born. First, Noel from the angels. Second, Noel from the magi. And they're submitting to Jesus as king. We talked about this last week in Isaiah chapter 9. It is a huge blessing 
that Jesus is our king, the government is on his shoulders, and his rule will never end because you and I struggle with self-rule, right? We want to rule ourselves. We want our own autonomy. We want to declare what is right. We don't want to submit under authority. And Jesus shows up, and wise men and shepherds and angels all declare, Noel, he's come. The king is here. And he is a king that we can submit to because he is a king who is love. He is a king who is wisdom, a wonderful counselor. He frees us from self-rule. And so as we sing the first Noel together, and we lift our voices in a very familiar song, let's not forget the purpose of this song is to say, a king has been born. Let's celebrate. Noel, let's celebrate. And the exclamation for the coming of the king. Because finally somebody can sit on the throne of our hearts. We are there. We sit there all the time. And we don't want anybody else to sit there. But finally somebody can come with peace, love, hope, and kindness. And we can submit to him. So when we sing the first Noel, let's not just sing with our hearts. Let's not just sing with our emotions. But let's sing with our mind engaged with these lyrics together as we sing. to that, the Noel of the angels, the Noel of the shepherds, the Noel of the magi, is with one accord to sing praise to our King of kings and our Lord of lords. Then let us
us as we sing still through the cloven skies still through the cloven skies they with me so wings unfurled and still their heavenly music flow throughout the weary world and man war with
Sometimes when we sing songs about a king being born, uh, we can kind of feel left out, uh, as is the case of the next song that we're going to sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Um, it's great that a king's been born, but when you see the context of what's happening in those verses, it's very clear, ransom captive Israel. And sometimes when we are, realize we're not a part of Israel, we can kind of feel left out, like this song is for somebody else, it's not for me. O come, O come, Emmanuel. I think if we look closer, a king is born, and we look close at that word Emmanuel, we'll understand this isn't just a political king. Yes, that's true. But this is deeper than that, a spiritual king. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, Hebrew for with us or close to us, near to us. El, short for Elohim, means the mighty one, God himself. So 
Near to us is God, God with us, Emmanuel. This is a direct quotation from Psalm or from Isaiah 7, verse 14. Isaiah 7, verse 14. You shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, if you're anything like me, you've already realized that I'm a complete language nerd. So I see Emmanuel sometimes with an I and sometimes with an E. Have you guys seen this? Does this just bug you like crazy? Which is it? Who's right? What's happening? Why? E-I-E-I. What is it? Well, let me set the record straight for you. I, if you want to be technical, I is a great transliteration from the Hebrew spelling of Emmanuel. The first letter in that word is an ayin, which is usually translated with our letter I. So if you want to take a Hebrew word, Emmanuel, which is Hebrew, and, and you put it into English with uh, just kind of a transliteration, instead of translating it, a translation of Emmanuel would be God with us. A transliteration, you guys know a bunch of transliterated words, right? Hallelujah, that's a Hebrew word. We just put it with English letters, sound it out and put letters, English letters to it. If you want to transliterate the Greek, for Emmanuel, which Matthew quotes, Psalm, or Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Matthew quotes that passage. And so he has Emmanuel, but he puts an epsilon in front of it. That's an E. So if you want to translate it from the Greek, it's an E. If you want to translate it from the Old, from the Old Testament, it's an I. And if you want to be like that picky about it, maybe something's wrong with me, but just don't be that picky about it. Just, it's, it's okay, either Old or New Testament. But the verse in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, ransom captive Israel. We're lost in exile. We're in exile. When you hear exile, for those of you who graduated from Sunday school, you think of Babylonian exile, right? Lost in Babylon. Well, that's not what this passage is saying. That's not what this verse, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, ransom captive Israel from Roman oppression. Because in the New Testament, the Romans were the ones who owned the known world. Turn to Luke chapter 1. You'll see Zechariah's declaration of this idea. Ransom captive Israel. There's mourning. There's mourning, sadness. Oh, come and cheer our sadness with your advent, with your coming to us. Come and cheer. And then there's an amazing line. Amber, can you throw up the, I think it would be the third verse. Mourns go... Uh, there it is. Oh, come thou day spring, come and cheer. I don't know about you, but I see day spring. I think of that Christian card company, and I think of what's happening. Come thou day spring. Oh, give us a card of blessing this Christmas morning. Uh, Luke chapter 1 is where this word comes from. Luke chapter 1, verse 76. This is Zechariah talking. You, child, this is about his son, John the Baptist, will be called the prophet of the Most High. You're going to be a prophet for him. You're going to go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. John, you're going to go before the people. You're going to tell the people how to be right with God because the tender mercy of our Lord, of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us. The sunrise, the old translation, that is the day spring. We're in darkness. We talked about this last week. We're in darkness and morning will come. The dawn will happen and we will have light. He'll be a light to shine, verse 79, to shine upon those who sit in darkness. That's an allusion back to Isaiah chapter 7 and 8 and 9, to guide our feet in the way of peace. O come, O come, Emmanuel. So yes, there's a political sense. Please bring deliverance from Rome. And Jesus didn't do that. 
because there's a greater need. And that's what John the Baptist would tell people about. That's why Zechariah is saying, don't just deliver us from exile from our political oppressors. Deliver us from the exile that we are in in our sin. Deliver us, not just politically in a sense of political freedom. No, deeper than that. Our problem is greater than that. Deliver us spiritually. So when we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, let's sing it not just with our hearts and our affections, but now with our minds engaged, hearing Zechariah's words kind of ringing in our minds as we cry out, God, bring dawning to us, shine light into our darkness, and we thank him, rejoice, Emmanuel is with us. Let's sing this together.
We've seen all these songs that are songs where we call out to God. God, come to us. Emmanuel, come and dwell with us. Come and show the day spring, show light in our darkness. And then we have a song that we sing all the time at Christmas about us calling out to other people. Not just calling out to God, but now calling out to other people. And you know the song, O Come All Ye Faithful. Now we're not calling, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We're saying, Come all ye faithful. Come to adore Christ. Now, when we hear, come adore him, oh, come let us adore him, we think Christmas. But thousands of years ago, we wouldn't have gone to Christmas in our minds when we hear that phrase, come let us adore him. In fact, in Latin, it was written across most churches. You can go today to Rome, you can go today all over the world, and you can see in Latin, the nite, oh, oh, come, uh, in, in the plural, let us, let us all, adoremus, adore, dominum. Him, God, let us adore him. It was a call to worship. So when we hear, oh, come, let us adore him, we shouldn't just see Christmas. We should think a call to worship. In fact, it's a direct quotation from Psalm 95, verse 6. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. It's a call to worship God. So yes, we're worshiping him for what he did in Bethlehem so many years ago, but it's a call to worship him. And I don't know about you, but I hear evangelism in this song. Come worship with me. Come worship with me. Yes, the faithful, those who love Jesus, but come worship with me. Come adore him with me. Don't just go by yourself. Bring somebody. That's what we always encourage our people to go invite people to come here. Yes, come and see. Come and adore with us. And then we go out and we tell people what Jesus has done. So let's sing this song, Oh, Come All You Faithful, not just with our hearts, but with our minds engaged as well. Stand together as we sing.
a seat one last time. If you are a realist, some Christmas songs might bother you, such as the song Joy to the World. Is this like the most overly optimistic song that there is? Everybody in the world be happy because Jesus has come. Very optimistic, and I don't think it's wrong to have optimism. Psalm 100, shout for joy. All the earth, please let everybody hear of the good news of Jesus. Let everybody come and rejoice. But sometimes when we sing Christmas songs, we can tend to, to sing them and hear them in this sense of, 
optimism that just doesn't hit reality. I don't think that's what Isaac Watts was doing. Isaac Watts, uh, 300 years ago, wrote this, this song, um, Joy to the World. He knew the brokenness in the world. He wasn't trying to be blindly optimistic, writing you know, his version of we are the world and we all just gather around and hold hands. No, he's, he's declaring that those who have been given peace because they know the peacemaker, they've received the king, those are the people that have all the joy in the world. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Yes, it's peace to the world because there's an offer of peace to everybody, but it's only peace on whom his favor rests. Those who love him, who receive him as the peacemaker, who see their need for a savior. There are people that don't have peace. There are people that don't have joy. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. Remember we looked at last week, take courage, I've overcome the world. We can have joy in the midst of hardship, joy in the midst of sorrow. And so that's how I want us to sing this song. It's actually looking to the second coming of Christ. The first advent of Jesus is in view, but it's all about the second coming. And here's where we land in the middle of that already but not yet moment. I think the best analogy I can give of what is happening in God's mind is that of baseball. If you've ever been to a baseball game and you're in the bottom of the ninth inning, the home team is up, it's uh, two strikes, it's uh, three balls, this is it, two outs, bottom of the ninth, and the guy up hits a grand slam, a walk-off home run. Walk-off home run means all he has to do, he hits the ball out of the park, and all he has to do is just trot around the bases and come home, and the game's over. Now, the moment that he hits that ball and it goes over the fence, the game's over, right? He, the, the team has won. He has won the game. But he still has to walk around those bases. The scoreboard hasn't lit up yet with the winning runs on it. That's where we are. Jesus is just trotting around the bases right now. He's already hit the home run. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. The victory is secure. And now we just wait. We applaud and we wait as he trots around the bases to come home, bring us to himself. That's what we're waiting for. So our hope is in Christ. Let earth receive her king. And that begs the question, have you received Jesus as king? Is he your king? Do you submit to his loving rule over your life? Is he your king? If he isn't, then you don't have any reason to have peace or joy. But if he is your king, if sin and death and hell and judgment has been removed and there is no condemnation for you, you have reason to rejoice. So let me pray. Let me ask God's blessing as we sing this song together. And then we will uh, resume our time outside as we celebrate the gospel, taking work in someone's life this day. Father, thank you for the joy that we have because Christ has come. Let earth receive her king. We are so grateful to submit to your rule, your loving leadership in our lives. And we do that even as we sing, submitting ourselves to the king of kings, the baby born in Bethlehem. And we sing with joy because Christ our Savior has come. Let's stand together to sing. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and the heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world. The Savior reigns. The 
God's people said? Amen. Amen. Blessings on the rest of your Sunday and your week. Merry Christmas to you all. And stick around as soon as James and I change into our bathing suits. We will meet you out on the patio. Do not tear anything down. We're good to leave it all set up. Praise the Lord. Merry Christmas. We'll see you out there in five minutes. Dancing in the night with a tail.
as big as a kite with a tail as big as a kite said the little lamb to the shepherd boy do you hear what i hear ringing through the sky shepherd Yeah. 